lots and lots of spoilers. Now, three years into their podcast, these are doctors Max Levine and Mike Luce, doctors only in name and only for the purposes of this podcast. They have no identities for as long as they're safe. One is Bob L. Head, ocean liner toilet scrubber. The other, Biden Time, a professional sleeper. They think of the day they might find the man who took their podcast away from them. The one-nosed man. But now is now, then was who, and what is where. Another journey, another place, another episode of Max Mike Movies. This week, we're finishing up our series... I Made From TV Love You, where we compare moldy new movies that have been made from moldy old TV shows. <laughs> and what are we looking at this week? Why, 1993's The Fugitive, starring Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones, and a cast of one-armed people. We'll get wild and woolly in a moment. Wait, Max, do we have a new sponsor? Why, yes, we do. Oh. Today's, po- today's podcast is brought brought to you by someone or other's movie. It might be Paramount, I'm not sure. The Deep House. It was a deep house. house. Yes, the story of a house whose emotional complexity was far greater than anyone ever expected until a family decided to really get to know it from the front hall to the basement to the dormer windows in the attic. Now that would have made a good movie. Come on, tell me that would not have made like a real Oscar punch. You know, we get Meryl Streep in there as an architect and crying. Uh, I don't, somebody is, else. Isn't it something about a uh, house at the bottom of the lake and scuba diving? I think it is. Uh, actually, it, well, that's what the theme song is. You know, there's a house at the bottom of the lake. There's a house at the bottom of the lake. There's a house. No, it. There's a house. There's a house there's at a the home. bottom of the lake. Okay, yep. well, that was yeah, exciting, and a, we get nothing for horror. it. But now yep, you it's a hard, know all about yep. Deep House, and Deep House. we have no more time to talk about that, so let's nope. go on to this, Max. Yeah. But first, okay. it's poll question time. Last week, we asked you folks, has there ever been a movie about a profession that made you say, I want to do that? Conversely, has any movie about a profession ever made you say, I never want to do that? You know, like (laughs) um, Sewage Pipe, the motion picture. You remember that. You had some ideas, and them are they. Vince, our pal from Snow Country, gave us, quote, Not sure this is a profession, but I took my friend Sterling to see Aliens, and she was convinced she wanted to be a space marine. She never saw the first film, and whispered in my ear immediately after seeing her first Alien, I take it back. I never want to be a space marine. (laughs) Good career choice. Yeah, space marine is uh, not yet Uh, an actual profession. But but you could join Space Force. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Vince. (laughs) Deweese answered, quote, I think you and I both would love to have worked at Empire Records, end quote. In my case, (laughs) I kind of did save the Empire, uh, having put in 14 years at the Million Year Picnic, New England's oldest and best comic store. It was very like Empire Records indeed, as Max can attest, as he shopped there. Yep, yep. Although you guys didn't have mosh pits or uh, veto... Or, I don't know, did you veto each other's music choices? No, but I thought his name was Warren. Yeah, no. hmm. Apparently his name's not Warren, yeah. Jamie Kleinert's tale was, quote, Mr. Holland's Opus and Amadeus, honestly. Haven't seen Soul for many reasons, but I assume had I seen it as a kid, it would have ranked up there, end quote. And I can attest she is indeed a fine music teacher today. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, yeah. Matt Reisman's response was, quote, Dead Poet Society made me want to teach, end quote. 
doesn't say what. I'm going to guess history knowing Max, uh, Matt, but thanks, Matt. Um, Dead Poet Society just made me angry, but there you go. <laughs> Benjamin Schleiss said, quote, Apollo 13 gave me unrealistic expectations of what engineers actually did, but it is what made me want to do that, end quote. Coolness. I'm assuming he's talking about uh, the major part played by Clint Howard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Um, Charles Forsyth responded, quote, excuse me, I think the word you're searching for is Space Ranger, end quote. <laughs> sure, Charles, it's almost like no, no, Space it, Marine, but... No, no, I think he means Rescue Ranger working with Chip and Dale. Mm, we'll have to ask him. Yeah. <laughs> or not. Roland Hardy stated, quote, Ford versus Ferrari, end quote. I don't know if this was meant he wanted to be an engineer or a race car driver, but either way, thank you, Roland. But he might have wanted to be a race car. True. Vroom, vroom. Beep, beep, zip, tang. Um, Val. Ka-chow. Val, not at all totally related to me, Coons gives us, quote, definitely would never want to be a repo man slash person. Archaeologist in the 1930s looks kind of cool, though, and I'd <laughs> always want to be a bookstore owner, end quote. no. No, you don't. You Thanks, really Bell. don't. Yeah, having... I didn't own one, but, yeah. Having played one on TV, no. Dave, who is totally not a spy, said, quote, I always like <laughs> seeing spy movies and how they operate. So the Robert Redford role in Spy Game or the Philip Seymour Hoffman role in Charlie Wilson's War, for example, end quote. Remember, Dave is not a spy. That's Thanks, right. <laughs> I know because he told me. <laughs> yep, and, and that and otherwise that would be lying. Yeah. Javi Carl offered, quote, after seeing Backdraft, I wanted to be a firefighter. After letting it sink in for a few days, it made me not want to be a firefighter, <laughs> end quote. That is probably a wise choice. Thanks, Javi. Last but not least, Chuck Mock posted, quote, the net and swordfish made it clear that no programmer <laughs> ever has or will work like that, end quote. <laughs> Chuck would know, as yeah. would Max. Uh, I'm sure there's many, many times in those films that somebody said, I'm in! <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't yeah. the sex scenes. Um, no, and it, it wasn't the audience either. No. Um, that's, uh, that, thanks, and thanks tons again to all who answered yes. our silly little question. You all get ten times bumpy bucks, the cryptocurrency that doesn't get soggy, even in milk. What about you, Max? Have you ever seen a movie that said, I want, makes me want to do that thing that with the stuff and be the guy? Yeah, some. I remember uh, Danny DeVito in Renaissance Man made me want, really made being a teacher seem cool. Hmm. Conversely, both uh, fame made me, and this was something <laughs> I'd actually considered, made me never want to be a stand up comedian. They have comedians in fame? I thought it was all dancing. Have, it's, no, there's dan the school has three parts so, you know, da uh, dance, acting, and um, inst music, you know, instruments. And uh, one of the characters, Ralph Garcy, in the acting department, he wants to be a stand-up. He wants to be the next Freddie Prinze. Should he? Well, he's pretty funny, but oh. there's one of the scenes is he just dies. He just has a terrible, terrible night on stage. And I'm watching that, and I'm thinking, I would step in front of a bus after that. You don't get I laughs for that. <laughs> it's just like, I realized I'm way too thin-skinned. I couldn't take it. Oh. just... Would have been awful. The other, the other one that made me not want to do something was a Full Metal Jacket. Was like, I will never join the military. I would be <laughs> dead in five minutes. Yeah. What about you? Any, any, um, make you want to do something or or avoid something? 
Yeah, and it actually kind of worked in a way. So the first time I saw the movie Pollock, it actually it had a very large effect on me. For one thing, I didn't understand abstract art really at all until I watched that movie. Because like a lot of people, I looked at Pollock stuff and it's like, yeah, whatever, splatters on a canvas. But then I watched Ed Harris and I got it and it made sense. And it's like, yeah, I actually would like to be a painter or okay, at least so a professional what artist. You're yeah. What you're saying is this movie want, made you want to have an affair with Jennifer Connelly. I get that. That makes perfect <laughs> sense. Uh, no, I didn't have that profound an effect. Oh. Uh, but um, yeah, just... I mean, the, the problem is, is that the art world is such an absolute mess. Maybe we'll do a series on it, uh, but probably not. Oh. Um, hey, it could be interesting. I, I could learn something. Um, yeah, so being a professional artist, I think, would be cool. Um, I I make the art, I just don't sell it. <laughs> uh, and anything that involves the army automatically makes me want not, not want to be that. So, sure, Full Metal Jacket, um, Thin Red Line, all very powerful films. Don't need to see them again, because, yeah, I don't do well with violent violence. But, uh, yeah, this week, we'd like to know, what movie have you seen the most times, and how many times have you seen it? We'd like oh to boy. keep this to total viewings, not just on in the background. Um, I won't say it had to have been in a theater, but if you would like to give us that information, that's cool, too. Let us know in ways that will astound you, and which we'll tell you at the end of the show. But now, let's escape to trivia. The show. Budget, $44 million. Box office holdup, Max, take a guess. I thought that was pretty popular. I'm going to go with $130 million. $369 million. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. It explains the sequel, sort of. Yeah, we'll get there. The TV show was based on a real murder, that of Mrs. Marilyn oh. Shepard. Oh, in fact, because I didn't mention it in the last 10 minutes, we're talking about The Fugitive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, which is based on a TV show called The Fugitive. The Fugitive. Uh, the TV show is based on a real murder, that of Mrs. Marilyn Shepard. She was bludgeoned to death in her own home, and her husband, Dr. Shepard, was accused of committing the murder. He spent 10 years in prison before being proven innocent. Because of newspaper involvement, Dr. Shepard was basically tried in print. There were even headlines Ugh. like, quote, Why isn't Sam Shepard in jail? End quote. And, quote, Quit stalling and bring him in! Exclamation point. End quote. Quote, oh, jeez. Members of the jury saw the articles as well as the broadcasts about Shepard having a supposed lover and illegitimate child, yet they were not dismissed from the trial. So it was apparently quite the circus. But was there a one-armed man? No. <laughs> the original narrator of the TV show was totally Rocky and Bullwinkle's friend, William Conrad. <laughs> You can still get an alarm to keep him out of your fridge. The final, <laughs> the final episode of the show held the record for the most watched TV show until 1980s Dallas episode Who Done It, having to do with Who Shot J.R. Ewing. Then Mash's final episode in 1983 beat that and held it for decades. Actually, I think it was it was within like the last five years that the uh, Super Bowl finally surpassed Mash's final. Yeah, that limp. That was real. Uh, Harrison yeah. Ford injured himself during scenes where he was running away in the woods. Rather than get the injury tended to, he let it go so the character would have the limp through the movie. Wouldn't it have been simpler just to act? <laughs> Thank you, Sir Lawrence. Although that quite honestly seems like such a Harrison Ford thing. 
like, eh, yeah. I'll fix it later. Or I can just see him getting power tools and doing it himself. Here, um, just strap this branch onto my leg. It'll be fine. Well, it's like when he stapled the hat in Indy Jones to his head. Ah! He actually... <laughs> He took I a, know, I, I tried to forget that. <laughs> Why do you remind me? Ah! There you go. The, en- the entire St. Patrick's Day parade scene was not in the script, nor was it scripted. The production got permission from the mayor's office, the cameramen used handheld cameras, and the actors just went into the parade and did their thing. <laughs> Ford oh. lasted quite a few minutes before being recognized. Um, I, I forgot the name of the other film, but another f- the film did exactly the same thing, and apparently there were points where they got into trouble because the other crew would get into shot of the other crew. <laughs> so, yeah. That was actually... That was actually oh. a parade. The set for the wrecked train and bus was built in North Carolina and remains there as a tourist attraction to this day. And yes... <laughs> They actually crashed a real train into a real bus. Strangely, it was cheaper to do that than to use miniatures. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. 40 miles an hour. Apparently, the locomotives only cost them $20,000. A bargain. Yeah. (laughs) Julian Moore. We expected to see, well, more of her. Turns out there was a lot more scenes, including a love interest between her and Richard Kimball, but it all wound up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. About that. Yeah, she was. She got top billing. They left her in top billing, not top top billing, but she was. Yeah, in, but she's. Bef- yeah, she's primary credits. Yeah, and she shows up, and then it's sort of like, oh, it's Julia. Oh, hmm. seems to be gone. Yep, oh well, yep. Lincoln, you miss her. Yeah, there was a lot of ad libbing going on, most notably when Kimball is being interrogated after the murder. Ford didn't know what questions he was going to be asked. Tommy Lee Jones was not expecting the movie to do well and was quoted as saying, quote, it's not like anyone's going to win any awards for this film, end quote. <laughs> Turns out he'd not only win both the Oscar and the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor, the movie had seven nominations for Oscars in total. Including Best Picture. Yep. Didn't win. Oh, didn't work, did it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a deeper. This film yeah, spawned yeah. a sequel of sorts, 1988's uh, U.S. Marshals, which Max would prefer to forget. I never even saw it. I just, everything I heard about it was kind of forgettable. Yeah. Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones only speak to each other four times in the entire film. Yeah. Do you have any trivia you want to throw in there? Uh, (laughs) Nope, don't think so. But wait. Oh, wait. Yes, I got one. Uh Uh-huh. I got one. Uh, Oh, Lord, I've already forgotten the actor's name. The fellow who actually plays the one-armed man. Right. Andreas Andreas Something or other. Andreas one arm man. Did you recognize him or his voice? No. You, I can see why you wouldn't recognize him because normally you know him from under a lot of makeup. But if anyone's watched the TV show Babylon Five, uh huh, he's Ambassador Jakar. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. Yep. That's the one. With I the remember big chin, watching right? the movie. Yep. I was in the spots and the orange, yeah, the red eyes, and I remember watching the movie and going, "Why is that voice so familiar?" But now, because I, I didn't write. Doesn't he have two arms in Babylon Five? Yes, yes, he does. Hmm. You mean he was acting? <laughs> he was acting as if he had one arm. Genius! Thank uh. you. <laughs> well, now with that out of the way, we can yeah. get to the plot. Doctor Richard Kimball. A man barely alive. barely alive. I knew it. Physician, scientist, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have is at a big doctor's convention with his wife, having a fine old time. On the way home, he's called in to help with a surgery. His wife goes home, and there she is murdered by her husband. Or 
is she? Kimball finds her, tries to save her, but there's no use. The police bring him in and hear his story of having fought with a strange one-armed man. He must have been the one to kill Mrs. Kimball, except there's no evidence of this, and Richard Kimball is tried, then convicted of murder. He's sentenced to death. During a well-choreographed prison transfer, the other inmates stage a breakout which causes their bus to roll over a guardrail and into the path of an oncoming train. Kimball manages to escape and is now on the run in a last chance to prove that he didn't kill his wife. Kimball, played by Harrison Ford, finds his match in U.S. Marshal Samuel Gerard, played by Tommy Lee Jones, who will not stop until Kimball is back in custody. Along the way, Gerard realizes that something simply don't add up! His <laughs> instincts eventually tell him that Kimball might actually be innocent. Kimball, who realizes that there's some humanity in the man tra trailing him, starts leading the chase in a way that eventually brings the whole film to an exciting conclusion at another doctor's convention. Will Dr. Kimball be able to convince Sam Gerard? Will the real killer be outed? Will parades in Chicago ever look the same again? The best is yet to come! Or the end, which ever comes first. The Lowdown. So, if you did not know this, Max, the original show mm -hmm. was a Quinn Martin production. Yep, those four <laughs> words. That tells you exactly what you're getting every time. A Quinn Martin production. Okay. And the best part was Act 1. Act to epilogue. It's the whole yeah. thing. I didn't uh, know that. Had yeah. you ever seen the original show? Not when it came out. Right. I saw one episode. I believe I saw the last episode on, like, I don't know, Nick at Night or something. Uh-huh. And which, of course, meant nothing to me because I didn't know who any of the characters were. Mm. But it's like, oh, good. They got him. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Uh, I, I've never been a huge fan of David Jansen. I mean, he's fine, but... I don't know him in anything else. Yeah. He, well, let's see. He's in... Um, uh, we're in it now, up to our necks. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it? Stranded in space. Ah, he's he's in that. He's the grouchy controller at NASA. He tends to play a lot of grouchy, raspy-voiced guys. <laughs> and I will play the part of the sleepy-voiced narrator. Yeah. Um, yep. Okay. Yeah. I. I. This is one of those shows that I had heard of but never had seen. I. It. In a way, it doesn't have a very good replay value. In a way, the way most syndicated shows do, because. While admittedly, you can watch the first episode and then watch whatever episodes you want in the middle, there is an ending. And that's actually very interesting for the 60s because this was not a thing. Shows didn't end. Most of the time, they didn't even have a last episode. Like when they knew they'd been canceled, most shows just weren't on next year. And that was the end of it. Because, of course, no one expected people to rewatch these things except during the summer repeats. But this show, like, so this is, here's our premise. Dr. Richard Kimball, a man barely alive, um, didn't kill his wife, but he's going off into um, 19th century France because he stole bread. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That's my Miz. But it's kind of like that. Do you that. hear the Just... Jansen sing? <laughs> yeah, this is not entirely unlike Les Mis, except there's a lot less singing. Um, yeah, it's, and uh, as you pointed out to me in an email, it also bears a striking resemblance admittedly something that came later, of the Incredible Hulk. It's kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, except, you know, Dr. Banner is being pursued by an investigative journalist instead of a federal marshal. And pelted by gamma rays. 
Yep. <laughs> Ain't he unglamorous? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had never watched this show before, but I went on TV. Uh, TV. <laughs> I went on YouTube, and uh, the you can watch the whole series. And I watched the first episode, and it was actually pretty good. Like, it's not bad. It's it's also surprising who shows up in it. I mean, everybody. The thing I didn't watch the this. episodes, but apparently every kid actor of the time. So Clint Howard is on an episode. Kurt oh. Russell is an episode. <laughs> Will Bill Mummy or Mummy is on an episode. Um, but yeah, everybody wanders through the fugitive at some point, and it easily hits that magic number of a hundred episodes, which means it should have been syndicated. And I don't know. Maybe it was in the seventies. I don't remember it. I'm not sure how pop... I mean, it was popular at the time. As you say, the conclusion was watched. People don't watch it much in reruns, but it's and it, it, everyone knows it. Right. The joke about the one-armed man. Hell, that shows up in The Mask. Okay. Yeah, at one oh, point yeah. when the cops have you, it wasn't me, it was the one-armed man. <laughs> That's every... The Simpsons made fun of it. In fact, The Simpsons make fun of both the TV show and the movie. Yeah. And it's it's very much a part of the of the zeitgeist. And I was pleasantly surprised. A lot of those shows don't hold up very well. And again, I watched. There was four seasons. I watched the first and the last. Actually, the last two uh, were two parters. So I watched those together, and they were really good at stringing their audience along. Because this is the last episode. We've got Barry Morse, who would eventually play Doctor Victor Bergman on Space Nineteen Ninety Nine, and uh, he's been pursuing. Right. David Jansen for the last four years. And it basically, every time they, there's, they get close, they veer off. Well, we know this is the last episode. People ahead of time knew it was the last episode. And it looks like he's actually found where this one-armed guy is, and even a potentially a connection through people he knows to the one-armed man that might explain what's going on. And he gets this close, and he's going out to catch a cab, and there is... Sam Ger or whatever his character's name was. And it wasn't Sam Gerard, but it was something. You know, I thought it was. Maybe it was. I don't remember. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, sorry, you're out of time. And the thing, of course, is that the cop starts off with the whole attitude of, yeah, he is a killer. He needs to be brought in. And over time, he sort of softens. And he's like, maybe he didn't do it. And the thing about the show, which is not true about the movie, we will get to the movie, is... The show does a lot showing what a nice guy Kimball is. He takes these crappy jobs because he doesn't want anything where they have to do background checks or ID checks or stuff. But he tries to help people along the way, not entirely like the Incredible Hulk eventually yeah, will. Yeah. <laughs> but with less throwing people through walls. Less. Not not totally yeah. none, <laughs> but less. Yeah. Um, and you know, the movie doesn't do that. And eventually what happens is Kimball's like, look, I'm this close. Just get, you have to take me back. I'll go with you. Give me 24 hours. And the guy's like, okay, we'll do it. And up until the last minute, it's like, oh, we're going to get him. Oh no, we're not. And it's like, they are totally fishing people in and they're doing it pretty well for the sixties. I was surprised. And I'm like, I know he gets him. I know how, but I don't know. Do they actually bring him in? How does it work? And I was pleasantly surprised and I can totally see why somebody would go. Yeah, we could make a movie out of this. There is, it's true. He's not, you know, this version of Richard Kimball, the Harrison Ford version is not traveling the countryside doing good, no. which was a, Big trope in the 60s and 70s TV shows. But he, we do see evidence that he's a good person, especially when he's at uh, in uh, Chicago, in uh, Cook County Hospital, mm -hmm. where he, you know, he's pretending to be a janitor, and he just happened, you know, Julianne Moore says, hey, take this kid down 
we needed everybody on deck, take this kid down to observation. And he looks at the x-rays, and he immediately diagnoses the kid with bad movie disease. <laughs> um, we don't know what it is, but he looks at Apparently that somebody's misdiagnosed the kid, and he knows. And so he takes him down to surgery, and he changes the old. And that's how he gets caught, or at least he has to run, because he can't not, he can't turn away. He can't not help the kid. He can't not be a doctor. Yeah. I think that I thought that was a really cool sequence because a lot of it we aren't really sure what kind of a person he is. Right. They as, don't. As this turns. They don't start off telling you or showing you much. In fact, the the, the flashback we see doesn't have a third armed man or third armed man, <laughs> one armed man at all. Would have been a lot easier. No, to catch. we don't. We initially we don't really know that he's innocent, except that we know the fugitive, but. There's some implication. Maybe it could be him, which is actually much more interesting. Yeah, and of course, who blows the uh, blows the whistle on him? But uh, Doctor Julian Moore, who points out somebody did this. Who was it? Penry, the mild mannered janitor. <laughs> could be. Yeah. Um, and I, I did like the fact that she just grabs his ID and says, "Stay right there," and walks off to get security. And. I'm sorry, all you medical people. Because she's a doctor, she just assumes she will be obeyed. <laughs> they just, you know, they're very used to people doing what... He's like, later. Yeah. Um, and then he limps away because Harrison yeah. Ford didn't decided not to staple gun his leg back into position. Or whatever it is. Um, he's on his way to becoming the one-legged man. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, movie starts with big, loud credits. Some of the biggest, loudest credits yeah. I've seen in quite some time. Very big, very loud. Now, in the original show, they wanted to make it such that it would be easy for David Jansen slash Richard Kimball to disguise himself. And so they show Richard Kimball, the doctor, in a very unconvincing <laughs> blonde wig. Yay. And here they make Harry... Uh, Harrison, I should say. I'm not on first-name basis with him. Uh, well, he's pretty Ford. hairy when he starts out. Yeah, they make him have long hair and a beard, which, thankfully, they use as the way to disguise him because he quickly shaves it off, and good for them because not a good look for Mr. Ford, I don't think. You don't want to hide. you got a jawline like that. You don't hide it. But also, it's really smart because one of the most noticeable uh, facial features on men is facial hair. That's what people remember. Yeah. And if you're... If you remove it, you really change your look very drastically. Especially when it grows straight down out of your nostrils. That's a, that's yeah, a big yeah. giveaway. <laughs> the yeah, one-nosed yeah. man. <laughs> um, I actually was watching a video on uh, YouTube about, it was from a, I think it was an FBI agent, an ex-FBI agent. And one of the things they said when you're disguising yourself, and Harrison Ford does do this later in the film, is the quickest way to not be seen is to change your, your silhouette. So if you're wearing an overcoat, take it off. If you're wearing a hat, yeah. take it off. If you have a hat and you weren't wearing it, put it on. Things like that. Uh -huh. And when Kimball gets into the parade, thankfully it occurs to him, hey, maybe this big army trench coat is a dead giveaway in the middle of a St. Patrick's Day parade. Yeah. And he takes it and, off and he's in a and blue he pulls hoodie. And he pulls on one of those plastic uh, shamrock hats. Yep. And basically from behind becomes instantly invisible. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. That was That's one of the neat things is... It really establishes very quickly how smart he is. Yes. I mean, he figures things out really fast. He takes he takes advantage of situations really fast. The other way that we see he's a decent person right away is during the accident when the train hits the bus. He put he risks his life to get one of the guards off. 
Mm-hmm. And he, uh, I, I still like when uh, he's out there with Copeland, the, uh, the actual dangerous convict, the only other survivor apart from the two guards. And there, you know, Copeland, because Copeland, he helped Copeland, Copeland unlocks his manacles. He just looks at him and goes, Copeland, yeah, be good. <laughs> and I, I love the way the guy, he just looks at him like, oh, yeah, fine, and leaves. <laughs> you almost I, crunkled stand there, I think you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on! Uh, <laughs> I have to be careful not to overuse that. It's hard on my throat. Ah, understandable. Uh, so in the original show, they actually have footage of the um, train derailment. And I would like to put in a big thank you for Lionel Trains for helping with that. (laughs) So I kind of wonder how it was both easier and cheaper to do a real... But it pays off because it like... I mean, it looks like what it is. There's actually this train coming to ram into this bus. The only thing that's not real is Harrison Ford was safely somewhere else in front of a green screen jumping onto a pillow. That's the one unfortunate moment of the effect is you really can see the mat lines. The green screen when he's jumping off the train. But otherwise, it's really effective, and you forget that pretty quickly. Yeah, there is, however, one other jump. Oh, what's that? Well, oh, so, the dam. Yeah, and oh, it's damn. like, you're looking at that going, no. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and sadly, when he jumps, my first thought was, gosh, that dummy's just not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my first thought is, you know, he jumps off, and then you see he's actually sliding down the side, meaning, oh, so he hit it. Yeah. I'm going, well, is he dead? Dead? <laughs> dead? D-E-A-D, dead. Yeah. <laughs> no. The other cops are completely right. There's no way he could have survived. You're right. There isn't. Yeah. And if that didn't kill him, the hypothermia would have. Yes, he would have frozen to death in the night. Yeah. Because, except he has leaves. <laughs> Which he only covers the lower half of his body with. Yeah. Cause... Again, most of this movie I have no trouble with. There are just a couple of, which is why the parts that don't work really kind of stand out. I mean, that whole sequence where Tommy Lee Jones is chasing him through the tunnels in the dam is so cool. And the whole, you know, I didn't kill my wife. And he's holding a gun and Tommy Lee Jones still looks at him and just says, I don't care. <laughs> Which is one of the ad-libbed lines. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, I think the original works. line was I, something like, it's not my problem. And yeah. Tommy Lee Jones fought for being able to say, I don't care. Um, so he delivers to Richard, do you want to get shot? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Tommy Lee Jones. I don't remember having seen him in much of anything except a, a really mediocre cop film called Bad Moon Rising, which I only went to see because it looked like it had a cool car in it. Um, I don't even remember Mostly that was a he did movie. TV movies. He did he did a lot of stuff, but he didn't have a whole lot of major roles. He had some. But yeah. no, this, I think, was his breakout role. Yeah. A signature performance. He's really good in it. And he I will so tell good. you, having met him in real life, that's exactly how he is. <laughs> oh, that's right. He came into the picnic, didn't he? He did. When they were filming Kaboom. Uh, I'm sorry, Blown Away or whatever <laughs> that was. Uh, Kaboom, the story of the clown cereal. For one thing, he's a lot taller than you'd think. He's over six feet tall, or at least he was then. And he is one of those people that you just automatically think you should call sir. That's just all there is to it. Um, I like his team a lot. The team dynamic is is really good, but I'm just sitting there going, yeah, in real life, they wouldn't be able to get away with giving him that kind of crap. Nope. (laughs) Nope, he'd be slapping the crap out of all of them, and they'd take it. 
Yeah. I do, I do love, love the interactions, you know. And Joe Pantaleone, or Joey Pants, as he's called. whatever. I can't pronounce yeah. that name. He, their interactions are a lot of, always a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, you know, Sam, when I die, I want to come back as you. You mean handsome and happy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I can't remember the woman's name, but she's fun. She kind of has that I don't take any crap attitude. Uh, yeah. I love this one point. I don't remember his name, but he's the one who uh, basically is in the house that they're trying to take the uh, other escaped convict from and oh, he grabs the guy with the ponytail and basically uh sam gerard shoots the guy from behind him and yeah. ca- causes some some short-lived hearing loss and of course the guy with the ponytail is really uptight he's the young guy in the in the group and he's all uptight because he's like yeah i've got permanent hearing loss i don't know and tommy lee jones sam gerard leans over and whispers to him can you hear this and the guy's like yeah, I don't bargain. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, hey. great, that's a yep. really good attribute. But yeah. then later he says to the guy, he's like, hey, don't give me a crap about your ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the kid obviously stays around. He doesn't uh, leave the team. And I, 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 it is kind of just th- there's the other, another guy whose name I don't remember, the tall one with the mustache, yeah. who's always complaining, how come you never yell at her? You always yell at me. You never yell at her. <laughs> It's because of that cheesy mustache, that's why. Um, interestingly, Joey Pants, whose name I can't pronounce either, and the woman whose name I forget, both made absolutely sure that their characters don't actually die. In fact, Joey Pants uh. apparently made sure that he was breathing and twitching a little on camera so people knew that he didn't die because they were like, we bet there's going to be a sequel. They just knew. Oh, he even has, he has a line. He said, I'm taking my vacation now. Yeah, but like, even if they thought of cutting him out, he's like, no, yeah. no, 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 I'm still twitching. Um, I didn't see the sequel either, but that team, I can see why they would. That team, I liked all the characters. I loved the way they worked together. Tommy Lee Jones is great. He doesn't take any crap, but he eventually he you realize he does have a heart in there somewhere. Yeah, and th- that whole the line "I don't care." It's like, wait, what does that mean? It's like I, it, he's not there to to prosecute him. He's like, you're a fugitive. You've escaped. My job is to catch you. That's all that matters to me. Yeah, and I mean that's again, which is very much like uh, what's his name Morse, the mm-hmm. original Sam Gerard. Morse, yeah. Like he says at the beginning. I saw this in the first episode. He says, it doesn't matter to me. If he, he was found guilty by by a court, the law says he has to go to jail, so he has to go to jail. He's he's a lot more corny about it, but he says, I serve the law. Yeah. And that's obviously what you know, Tommy Lee Jones is, is doing. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's not my call. As he goes along, uh, he does begin to see, and because Kimball is in effect leading him, hmm. He begins to see that there are some holes in in the case. I, I was one of the things I liked how you begin to see their investigations working in parallel. Mm-hmm. You know how they're going after it and how Kimball's going after it. And well, Kimball starts doing things that don't make sense for somebody who's a cold blooded murderer because. I mean, let's face it, it takes a lot for you to actually want to kill anybody, never mind bludgeon them to death, and they're your wife. And what he basically starts seeing is, well, wait, this cop got pulled out of the bus. Oh, wait, he stopped and helped this kid. Why would he do that? That doesn't make any sense. And also, he goes back to Chicago. Right. Which, if you're a fugitive, you're trying to get away, you don't go home. Yeah. Um, And... 
even worse, he goes back to the hospital that uh, one of the hospitals he worked at, yeah. and he goes into I, I can't remember if it was City Hall or the police. Basically, there's a, there's a county jail or a city jail there, and he needs to see if one of the people on his list of possible one armed men is that guy. And it being too early for really for the internet, he can't get a picture, so he has to go see him in jail. So he yeah. puts himself really at risk to go see this guy. Why would he bother? And he's he, in a way he's both following his own trail and leaving the crumbs once he realizes that Sam Gerard is that smart, hoping he'll figure it out. And he does. The one thing that he does that's stupid is he has a friend named Dr. Charles something, and he oh, should yeah. know better because that man is a Bond villain. Yes. <laughs> it's General yeah, Pushkin. That, that poor guy, I don't you know, that's Jeroen Crabbe. Yeah. He's a Dutch actor, and I don't think he has ever played a good guy in his life. <laughs> He's always the awful character. He's a Bond villain. Yeah, you don't trust him no, at all, no, ever. Nope. Uh, I did notice a few odd things. So when, uh, after the uh, incident at the, uh, I think it was at the um, the dam, Dr. Kimball steals an ambulance and they're chasing him. And interestingly, apparently nobody in Illinois stops for sirens because the yeah, ambulance. they all kept driving. <laughs> well, and they were Nobody like, they were, hey, what's going on? And it's like, yeah. it's an ambulance. And then when they close off the tunnel and there's cop cars and they're all looking for them, there's people yelling at the cops through their windows. It's like... Well, it's Chicago. Yes, I believe no, that. No, it wasn't. It was out in the boonies somewhere. Uh, it's actually North Carolina. <laughs> um, yeah, well. And it's like, wow, you don't pull over? Like, if I see an ambulance, I pull over and the, he's having to swerve around them and people are like, Arr! and stuff. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, uh, no, he used the siren. You're supposed to stop. Um, so that was kind of, okay, I guess it adds tension, sure. Um, I, I Just there are so many good little touches. I really like when he goes to find the one arm, this one-armed man in the, in the jail to see if it's the one-armed man. Mm-hmm. And the guy comes out, and it's obviously not him. And he says, uh, "Sorry, there was a mistake." And the guy goes, "Well, why do you want to talk? What do you want to talk about anyway? I mean, it ain't like there's no cable in here." Yeah. Just he just wants someone. To, you get two seconds, and immediately you're interested in this character. Yeah. He just wants to talk to someone because he's bored. It's like. Oh, man, I'm kind of sorry we never see him again. Yeah, the whole team, that convict, the only character, the only main character I don't know we have all that much interest in is um, Dr. Richard Kimball. Yeah, but we're not <laughs> supposed to. He's a, His whole thing is what he is doing, not who he is. Right. And we, we get some stuff, but it's true. He's much... He's less complex and less interesting. We, we get little flashes of things like, oh, he had a wonderful relationship with his wife. Really? That's that's it? And if that was the case, why was it so easy to convince a jury that he would kill her for her money when he's a rich surgeon? Well, in the original show, they actually had been having arguments that had to do with the fact that uh, Dr. Kimball wanted children and his wife, it turns out, couldn't, but she didn't want oh. to adopt. And the night of the murder, he had had an argument with her and gone out for a drive. And when he came back, he saw the one-armed man running from his house. Oh, okay. And went in and found her dead, but the neighbors had known that they were having trouble, so it was a little bit more likely that he would have killed her. But here, we have Mrs. Nice Lady. Uh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Doctor Nice Lady, Doctor yep, Mrs. Yep. Yeah, that's Seal, Seal Award, and she seems very pleasant. Yep. We see her for two seconds, and we know more about that convict than we know about her. Yeah. Which is sad. Yeah, we really, we re it is unfortunate. They, the women in this movie don't get a lot. 
surprise. Yeah. Um, hey, but at least there's a black guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's a convict. Oh, there's there's one of yeah. the prison guards who gets stabbed. <laughs> no, there's so. also Bones, the guy in the right. uh, records office at the hospital. I liked him. He was cool. I wanted to see more of him, too. Yeah. I, it's like, you know, Julian Moore, pro- there was probably something there. Um, I liked her fiery nature, which went along with her red hair. Um, Harrison Ford, you know, here's the thing. I don't think I've ever disliked Harrison Ford in anything, but I don't think I've liked him better in anything than anything else. Harrison Ford is Harrison Ford. He comes in, he very aptly and very adequately does his job. I like Harrison Ford, but you don't, you pretty much get Harrison Ford. I kind of liked him in regarding Henry. Oh, I didn't see that one. It's, it's a very different role for him. I thought he did it pretty well. You know... To be fair, I should uh, I should backpedal. I thought that he did have a bit n- more nuance in the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> you, you know, your people are like my family. <laughs> then he starts spitting out hairballs. Yeah. Um, it's really like the star of this movie isn't Harrison Ford, and it's not Tommy Lee Jones. It's the relationship. Be- it's actually the relationships in general, but the relationship between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that it's this is not this is a plot-driven movie rather than character. I'd say, but yeah, uh, yeah the interesting relationship is the sort of cat and mouse mutual respect, whatever you want to call it, between the two of them. Yeah, um, I I liked that. I, I don't. There's nobody I dislike in this film. There is one guy though, and you'll know who I'm talking about. One of the arresting cops is totally the Dub Bears guy. Yeah. I don't know if he's an actor. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like, that, oh, you know, duck bears. Duck bears. Come <laughs> on, we're going to arrest Dr. Kimball, then we're going out for some Polish sausage. <laughs> he totally is. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I've never yeah. seen him before. Maybe he's a real cop. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I will say this. So there's one point where Dr. Kimball manages to find a room for rent. Oh, yeah. By an amazing coincidence, it happens to be a house where there's a Russian drug dealer, and the cops come and take down the Russian drug dealer, his brother, the mother, but somehow don't find him in the basement. Cause... Oh, I was totally taken in by that. When they do that, the first time I saw it, and they do that sequence where the cops show up, it's like, oh, they found him. Oh, God, they're going to... I'm right there with him, because that was a, actually a really good performance by Ford, where he's pacing back and forth in the room. He's like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I'm st- I am. Tra- he looks like a trapped animal, and he's like, "Oh God, they're coming!" And then it's like, "Oh, they're not here for me at all." And the both the pain, the relief, and the pain on his face, where he's realizing, you know, God, I, I, I can't stand this feeling. I thought that was that's a really well done scene. I and thought it was again, well done. Pulled me right in. Just the coincidence is like okay, and <laughs> eh. eh. it's it's a minor. It kind of works, though. Look, obviously, he's going for the ch- uh, a crappy neighborhood, the right. cheapest place he can get. Why would it be a shock that like someone in the household is supplementing their income? I thought the big shock was that that son, the big Russian son, yeah. wasn't going to just try and kill him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was like, oh, well, I'm here to murder you and take stuff. Yeah, well, he didn't have the accent, but mom did. No. Then I will feed you to moose and squirrel. <laughs> they like the drugs. Um <laughs> This is the second most famous Chicago parade scene. You, of course, know the first. What was that, uh, Ferris Bueller? Yes. Uh, apparently, yeah. it's, there's a thing for, for shooting parades in <laughs> Chicago. Um, did you catch the hotel men only? Because that'll cut down on the hanky-panky. 
Uh, oh, no, I did not. That's, oh. a, that's the last place he stayed. Hotel, men only. I, I just wanted there to be a <laughs> wink under the sign. Because <laughs> you know that they did uh-huh. that back in the day to try and oh, say, yeah. like, this is not a sex hotel or whatever. This is a like, moral hotel. Oh, like, uh, yes, it is. Because <laughs> uh, the Y is way downtown. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, there is there is one little... It's a, it's actually a pair of shots that come right after each other, which I was like, why did you do this? So there's a point where they're zooming in on the L. It's when he's getting on the subway train, and you see the sign in the window for the, the line of the train, which is the Kimball-Belmont line. Uh, and then it is immediately followed by an overhead shot of the Harrison Hotel. Oh, dear. I, I missed like, that. Why did you do that? That's why? just being a little too cute. Yeah, you're taking me out of the movie. Don't do that. What other notes do you have, Max, before we get to our questions? I'm kind of surprised that the Cook County Hospital lets their orderlies roller skate. <laughs> I do like the fact that at least he was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm watching and going, you know that kind of makes sense because look how fast the guy gets around the halls yeah but there's so much that could go wrong i i love the look but it's just kind of like wait what yeah um and and i do there are so many good one-liners in that i still like when the for the one-armed man finally confronts kimball on the train and uh he said you know this is my stop doc and then once Kibble takes him down and handcuffs him, he looks, just picks him up, goes, "You missed your stop!" and slams. Wham, him wham, 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 wham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's also a bit of a problem. I know he's supposed. Kimball is like a two-fisted fighter. The guy's a surgeon. Yeah. No, sur- any surgeon just by instinct is not going to want to hit anybody in the head with their hands. That's the way you break your fingers and you know lose your job. Don't. But, Touch my hands! Exactly. <laughs> Piano players and surgeons, they don't they'll they'll hit you with their elbows. They won't hit you with their hands. Yeah. By well, the way, get, it's a better We should get to our questions, I, I think. Yeah. Me thinking. Yeah, okay. Yep. Does this movie capture the feeling of its source material? Ooh. I know it's I not think a... so. It, I think it's the same idea, the hunted man. But yeah, yeah, I guess. Again, I've only I haven't seen enough of it to be sure. What do you think? Yes and no. I think it's trying to... I mean, it's obviously it's got the same general plot. Man convicted for murder he didn't yeah. commit, runs away, becomes the Hulk. I mean, uh, <laughs> runs away to try and prove himself innocent. Is pursued by a a very resourceful and uh, well-meaning cop, only to find out that whatever. But... The focus is very different because they spend four years basically proving that Dr. Kimball's a really nice guy and sort of wearing down the cop. And, of course, here we have a movie, so we can't do that. So it both does and it doesn't. And I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. No, it's just a different thing. You're right. The whole thing with the TV show is it has the time to build the whole relationship and to build the the audience's relationship with Kimball much more strongly. And much more, much more deeply. The movie is way more interested in what's actually happening. Yeah. In the actual, the proving and the and the investigation and such. Well, I'll skip to that third question then. Does this movie take advantage of the fact that it's a movie and not just an episode? And I want to oh. underline the words "take advantage." I think so. Just in terms again of the scale, but mostly the speed at which things happen. The pacing is in a movie by definition, is different than a TV series, and it's very evident here. 
But it's actually just, in reverse. Because usually what happens is, oh, for a TV episode, we've only got an hour to tell our tale. we got to get through. Here, they're taking four seasons of a TV show and doing it very convincingly, I would say. Oops, I might be giving something away. Ooh, ooh so naughty. Um, they're actually taking a whole series and doing it in two hours. So it's instead of lengthening out what they can do and expanding on it, they're actually contracting. So take advantage i don't even think is the right question here it's it's yeah. very different it, it, it is a it is very definitely a movie as opposed to the tv show yeah it's very it's very distinctive does this movie respect its source material i think so i mean it's very clear the basic plot is still the same the idea of the basically decent the uh falsely accused good man who is also being pursued by another good man the idea that neither of those two are the bad guy that they're they're doing what they have to do. Yeah. I, I think it, I definitely think it respects it. I mean, they even still had a one-armed man, which they could easily yep. have changed to just about anything else. Yeah. A three-headed woman. I don't know. One, one nostrilled man. Yeah. <laughs> one uh, earlobed man. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it was a very... It, this actually ended up, for me, being one of the most interesting comparisons we had because they boiled down an entire series, not just like, oh, let's yeah. do an episode in the life of the Adams family, for example. But no, let's it's take the an, whole story arc, the whole yeah, thing. In two hours. Yeah. And well, we'll see if they did it well or not at the end. But basically we need to do this. We need to wrap it up. We're not looking to make a franchise out of this. Not really. Um I mean how many times can he not kill his wife? <laughs> <laughs> The Fugitive 2. He didn't kill her again. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely think it re it managed to respect it. It managed to update it. And it managed to condense it all at the same time, which is actually pretty impressive. Even if it failed. Oops. <laughs> Naughty. Um, but, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm done with my notes. What? How about you? Do you have any more notes? Nope, I'm, nope, I'm all set. Well. The Roundup. Max, did you see this in the theater? I did. And what did you I think did. at the time? Do you remember? I know it was long. Yes, I do. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. And I, I loved Tommy Lee Jones's Oscar acceptance speech. He was doing, he he was doing some. I don't know what other movie he was made up for, but they had shaved his the top of his head. Mm -hmm. And he said, "Standing here before all of you, I can only say the most important thing for me to tell you is." I am not actually bald. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, that was perfect. Ab and with that absolute Tommy Lee Jones deadpan. Yeah. I, I really liked it when it came out. It was exciting. It was, uh, it, it was interesting. Tommy Lee Jones was so much fun. The dialogue was so much fun. The one-liners back and forth was great. And it, I really wasn't expecting that much. So, I was expecting it to be like a thriller, just a chase. Which... In its most basic form, it is. Yeah, but it's more than that, yeah. So now, had you seen it since then? Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times on TV. Or on and now, how does it hold up, do you think? I think it holds up really well. I mean, honestly, except for those one or two points that take you out of it a little bit, uh, like the, the jump, you know, Harrison Ford jumping off the green screen and, uh, <laughs> you know, bouncing down the be the dam. <laughs> flop, 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 flop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it holds up really well. Again, you look at it and you go, okay, I can see why I think where things would be different with today's technology or investigative uh, techniques, but 
And my first thought is really he was grappling with this one-armed mantle and there's no physical evidence of no hair, no fibers, nothing. It's like, this is 1993. They weren't as careful about that. They didn't have a lot of DNA uh, identification yet. They had some, but I think it holds up really well. How about you? I did see it when it came out. I do remember really liking it. Strangely, I don't know if I've seen it since then. Oh, wow. It's one of those films that I I remember liking. I just never got around to rewatching. Maybe I have. I don't remember. Um, and the only two things that really... Actually, the only one thing... I didn't notice the matte lines. Usually, I, I they stand out like a sore thumb. Uh, I was just surprised at how well the train shot looked because having seen the... <laughs> the Lionel version from the 60s show. Uh, and then I found out, oh no, they just crash a train into a bus. <laughs> it's like, well, that's the simple solution, isn't it? Um, the flopping dummy, it's really obviously a dummy. Um, and again, the jump, it wouldn't matter if there wasn't the spillway going down. The, the height of that jump alone, unless you're some sort of practice cliff diver, and even if you are, no, no. And then yeah. hypothermia, no. So I wish they had made it a little less like unlikely. But other than that, it's a lot of fun to watch. The byplay is great. The acting is really good. Um, it makes you want to see more. You know, in a way, you don't want to see, again, yeah, <laughs> Richard Kibble also didn't kill this young boy. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it does a really good job, especially in little areas where you instantly know some characters. Um, the thing that was really interesting to me was going back and watching the show and finding that, sure, it feels like a 60s show because it's going to, but finding that the quality of the show was much higher than I was expecting. And that the way they were stringing their audience along, the skill they had with it, but also the fact that this is the 60s and they're like, yeah, we're going to have a show that has a beginning, middle, and end. We don't Maybe we don't know how long the middle is, but we're actually going to end this thing, which we'll, we, we probably won't do again until the 80s. Um, so there you go. I suppose Mary Tyler yeah. Moore had an end show, but it didn't have an end point. It wasn't like an arc. Yeah. No. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, we're going to see the fugitive, and uh, with that, we're actually going to be finishing up the. Don't I made touch that dial. What? We're not. Do- we're not done yet. That's but- right, because we we're going to have a special holiday after school, very special episode. Call the kids in. Phone the neighbors, wake the kids. Well, Extra episode of I Made From TV Love You. But why are we doing that? Because we care that much. And the more you know. No, that's not it. Oh, it is totally. <laughs> Don't forget the die roll. <clears throat> ah, yes, because we, we also have to uh, determine our next series, which is going to be That Sure Was, and then we're going to fill in a year. Oh, actually, thanks to you folks, we're going to fill in a year because, as you well know, those of you who actually helped participate, we asked, hey, we're going to do a show about, a whole series about movies from a specific year. Should we roll dice and determine the year, or should we pick a specific year? And the people who voted voted mostly on picking a year, and they actually gave us some years, and there's four years they gave us to choose from. Those years are 1939... 1969, 1981, and 1999. So what we're going to do is very scientifically, using a formula that, well, it would take a scientist to explain it, uh, Max is going to roll a d4. (laughs) Yep, right here is my... I hold here in my hand the final envelope. (laughs) 
I am going to. I did not drop it. I did not. It just looked that way. He totally dropped it. Yeah, yeah. I do that. So and I am now going. Now, so we're going to go in order from yep. what was the first one? 1939? Yep. So 39, 69, <laughs> uh, 81. 81, 99. And the winner is? Three. The third yep. one. 1981. Eight, 1981. So, you now know what the series will be about, but you won't know the movie we're going to choose until after next week's episode. But next week, Max, first, I would like to reiterate about our poll question, because we have a new poll question. Yes, indeed. That poll question is, what movie have you seen the most times, and how many times have you seen it? Again, this is all the way through. I sat yeah. down to watch this movie, not, yep. oh, I was vacuuming, and, oh, I it don't know. It came on for a bit. Showgirls I watched my 2 favorite scene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Showgirls 2, the reshowing. Yes. Yeah. Was so on, the, and uh, how, do they, how can they uh, answer this question? Mike. They can answer in a number of ways. The first oh, and good. best way is to follow us on Twitter and leave a comment, but they won't because <laughs> there's only seven. And yeah. yeah, but we're on Twitter. We are on Facebook. You can leave comments there at Max Mike Movies. You can go to our website, MaxMikeMovies.com, which not only has all of our previous episodes, but it has a place for you to leave comments. We can talk to you. You can talk to us. You can say horrible things. And well, so can we. And we know where you post from. Uh, if you don't want to do that, you can email us directly at us at MaxMikeMovies.com. Now, getting back to our super fudgy Star Wars holiday amazing next week's nine episodes out of eight special thing. What movie are we going to Made From TV Love You this time? Well, before I tell you, let's see who this ghost really is. <laughs> Mr. Jenkins! He wasn't wearing a mask. I just tore off his actual face. Oh, God! Ah! <laughs> yes, we are going to be watching Scooby-Dooby-Doo, the movie. Oh. Oh, yes. <laughs> and Mike is overjoyed. <laughs> uh, yes, next week, Scooby-Doo, and we'll find out if it was, in fact, Mr. Jenkins at the abandoned amusement park. Or was it the Kooky Coin Collector? Won't you? This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Music